Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. And I hope you are doing well. Uh, it is officially autumn, fall, uh, whatever you want to call it, here near the end of October in Michigan. The leaves are disappearing. The sky is gray. There is, I don't know, I don't know if we'll ever see the sun again, uh, or at least not until, uh, like, you know, the end of April or May. So, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. A uh, couple quick announcements before we dive into this week's podcast. Uh, first, just want to let you all know that I am writing again, so feel free to head over to danielmrose.com where you can... Uh, see what I'm writing. You can subscribe. I'm also going to start uh, embedding uh, these podcasts there. So danielmrose.com will kind of become a, a one-stop shop for you. And um, I, hope, I hope, that'll, hope that'll be helpful. Um, would love for you to join me someday uh, at Doubt on Tap. It's a conversation that I host on Tuesday nights in downtown Ypsilanti at a place called uh, The Tap Room. We meet in an area called The Annex, and uh, it lasts for one hour. My friend Mike and I host this conversation every week, and um, man, it's just it's a great time to get together with people from different backgrounds, different perspectives, and talk about things that matter. And uh, so, yeah, 8 o'clock at The Tap Room. I believe that's 201 West Washington or West Michigan Avenue, something like that. Uh, and I hope that you will hope that you'll join us. Uh, also, want to invite you out uh, on a Sunday night to uh, our missional community uh, in Ypsilanti, and uh, that starts at six o'clock on Sundays. We eat dinner together. We spend some time reading the scriptures. Uh, we pray. We we take communion. It's fantastic. Uh, if you don't live in the Ypsilanti area, but maybe you're uh, more on the northwest side of the metro Detroit uh, region, uh, then I would encourage you to check out our missional community up in Fowlerville, Michigan. And uh, you can you can hit me up for details on the Fowlerville gathering uh, at uh, on Twitter, at Daniel M. Rose. So, uh, yeah, and, and that kind of brings me to the last announcement, is I hope that you will continue the conversations with me. Uh, let's connect on, on Twitter at Daniel M. Rose. And, uh, you want to find me on Facebook or Instagram, you can do so. Same, uh, same handle at Daniel M. Rose. Uh, I'm not great at branding, but man, I've got that part down, uh, pretty well. So, uh, yeah, continue the conversation and, and let's, let's get rolling here. So we are, uh, coming Coming to the end of our discussions on uh, the letter to the Romans, and you know what I've been doing here on the podcast is a kind of a uh, bit of a, a background kind of stuff for our discussions and conversations that we have on Sunday nights, and um, and we're working our way backwards through Romans on Sunday nights because. Uh, the second part of Romans often gets left behind. Uh, chapters 12 through 15 and 16 really really just kind of get ignored. And so as I, as I have been teaching it on Sundays, I wanted to really emphasize and focus on those last few chapters because they really get into what it means to love well and how do we, how do we love our neighbors 
as ourselves. And uh, Paul really dives into this in, in some significant specificity uh, here in these in these last few chapters. But typically, uh, as it's taught in in churches, the emphasis is on Romans one through eight because those are. I think I think they're easier to teach, but I also think that for guys like me, um, those those chapters are are so full of big grand ideas that we get lost in there, and we just we kind of fall in love uh, with Romans one through eight. There's, there's so much so much theology and doctrine and things, um, and unfortunately, that's how Romans has been taught. Um, and when we teach it that way, we miss out on the subversive nature of, of the letter to the Romans because we think that this book is pretty much a theological treatise with a few application points tacked on to the end. But that's not, that's not what it is. Uh, it is a subversive letter that cuts through all the clutter. It cuts through all the injustice, all the racism, all the... you know issues with with ethnicity uh it cuts across uh jew gentile boundaries it it challenges the roman empire uh paul was paul was doing some doing some work here and and we miss this because because we we largely ignore that the second part the second part of romans and uh, and so we're just not we're not missing that part on sundays and um and so, you know, as you come into this come into this podcast, I don't know if you've been following along or not, uh, but today we're going to look at Romans chapter eight, uh, verses one through, I don't know, seventeen or so. And what I found in studying this letter is is that there are parallels or connections uh, from the first half of the letter to the second half of the letter. So this, this Romans 12 through 15 area is rooted uh, back in the earlier chapters, right? And so uh, our passage this week, uh, our second to last, the, the penultimate uh, passage uh, that we're going to be discussing on, on Sunday night, uh, is, is Romans 12, uh, three, 3 through 8. And here Paul gets into... His, uh, his kind of his discussion of, of how we are to interact as the body of Christ with one another. And this idea of hum- these ideas of humility, of serving one another, of uh, embracing each other's uh, gifts and, and embracing our own gifts. And so the question becomes, where, where is this rooted? Well, I think this is rooted back here in Romans 8, uh, 1 through 17. Now Romans eight is, man, it is a great. It's a great chapter. It, it many would say that that this chapter is the height of scripture. Uh, I, I'm falling more and more in love with with Romans twelve, um, but but Romans eight is is great, and Romans eight one through seventeen is is also great because what it does is it ties us into. Uh, it ties us into our identity. So how. How do we go through life living, living as one who is who's practicing humility, going through life as one who uh, is encouraging other people, who is who is fostering their gifts, who is 
uh, who's kind of fanning, fanning the flame of, of someone else's passions, so to speak. How do, how do we get there? How do we not think of ourselves more highly than we ought? Well, I think that, I think that we can do that by, by embracing our identity, by understanding who we are. That the very, the very nature of who we are as followers of Jesus is completely and utterly uh, rooted in Him, in His life, and ultimately in His crucifixion and resurrection. And so, uh, Romans 8 starts with this conversation, with, this, with one of the most famous verses in, in, in all of religion, really. Uh, where Paul says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit gives, who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, you know, I, I tell our folks all the time, hey, anytime you see the word therefore, you guys ask the question, what's the therefore therefore, right? So the therefore points us back uh, to, to what just came before, and this ties us into Romans 7, uh, which is, again, a, a fantastic, so, so much good stuff. But the end of Romans 7, Paul kind of talks about his struggle. He talks about, you know, how there are things that he wants to do. He wants to do good. He wants to do right. But for whatever reason, he always finds himself falling short. There are times where, where he, just, he just can't do it. And he, and he, and he gives in and he, and he, and he falls short of, of his own, even his own thing, to the point where he cries out, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I mean, just that, that level of frustration uh, with himself is, is just so, it just overcomes him. And, and his response is, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, um, and then we get into this, you know, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the first thing we have to realize uh, for us to, to act humbly, for us to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought, is... Um, is we have to understand that, that we fall short all the time, right? I mean, I'm not perfect. I, I, I am, there are times where I'm short with my wife, where I'm short with uh, my kids, uh, let alone when I'm driving, uh, my own, just my own inner thoughts. I, I mean, whew, like th- there's, you know, there's a lot of darkness inside me. There's a lot of darkness inside you. There, there's a lot of darkness inside of all of us. And, and here's the deal. If we were judged by the standard that we judge others, uh, we would all fall deeply short of that, right? Like I can't, I, I myself can't measure up to, to my own uh, standard or measure of judgment. I, I can't. And neither can you. And, that's, and that is the reality of the situation, now, we don't like to say that. We don't like to admit to that. We all want to think of ourselves as being non-judgmental and kind, nice, wonderful, accepting people. But the fact of the matter is, when we stop and we look deep inside ourselves, we, we judge. And, and we, ju- we have a standard. We have, we have created for ourselves in our own minds a standard by which we judge the world around us. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, right? I mean... We we gotta make decisions. We gotta we gotta choose 
what you know who to spend time with and where to hang out and you know that kind of thing like judge so in some ways judging is not a bad thing but it's it's when we condemn others and you know you, you might again you might think to yourself I don't condemn anybody ah check you know check it because I'm not I'm not entirely sure most of us really think about what it means uh, for for us to condemn so you know when we talk about that when we talk about condemning somebody you know it can be as simple as uh, looking at somebody and be like oh, they're idiots that they're, they're, uh, they're digging their, there's no hope for them they're digging you know they're, they're digging their own grave uh, we write people off you know if you write somebody off you're, you're condemning them now you know we don't have to always think about this in terms of like, you know, I'm condemning you to hell or anything like that. It's, but it is this, it is this sense of, of hopelessness, of, of looking at somebody and, and not seeing in them any chance of redemption, any chance of there being hope, um, of them come, coming back from whatever level or standard you've judged them by. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we, we all do that. And so we, in a very real sense, we all condemn ourselves. And, and so Paul starts off right here, right after him doing a lot of self-condemning work here at the end of chapter 7, says, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Why is there no condemnation? Well, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, when Jesus was crucified, he defeated he defeated uh, the sinful nature. He overcame the powers. He overcame sin. He overcame the law. He, 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 he dominated it. He condemned sin in the flesh. And so when his flesh died, all that sin was gone. He took it all. He handled all of the sin. And, and so now, now righteousness, the righteousness has been restored right? In verse 4, it says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because you see, when, when you look at the law, when you go back and you start reading the way that the law is written down, and you start reading all the stuff in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, um, we can get caught up in the do's and do nots and that kind of thing. But there is a deeper spirit at work there that says, hey, you need to, tr- the only way you're going to live this out is, is by faithfully, fully, completely trusting in God. And this is what the prophets are calling people back to. When you look at uh, the stories in, in, in the, the, the history of Israel, like you know, in, in Chronicles and Kings and Samuel, uh, what you see often is the condemnation of lack of trust, lack of faith, lack of, of, of recognizing that God is God is one who, who is worthy of our trust and our faith. And, and so it is, the law is ultimately fulfilled through the Spirit, not, not by meeting legal demands. At least the, the law of, of, of God, the law of the Scriptures. And so Paul goes on here in, in Romans 8, you know, starting in verse 5, and he's just talking about how um, many people are trying to do this in their flesh, right? He says, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit 
have minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Man, that's, that's tough stuff. But here's the thing. What, what does it mean? You know, what does it mean um, to submit to God's law? Well, I think we can go back to Jesus, right? Jesus says that the law is summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we keep coming back to this over and over again because it is that important. How do you submit to God's law? Love God and love your neighbor. It's that easy, man. Like it just, it just isn't that hard. It's not. It's not. I don't. You know. Dance, drink, smoke, or chew, and, and don't go girls. Don't go with girls that do. Like that. That's not. That's not the deal. The deal is loving your neighbor yourself. And what Paul's saying. Get this now. If we if we are just kind of living in, living for ourselves, and I think that's, I think that's a, a modern way of saying living according to the flesh, you're living for yourself, then you are not going to love your neighbor. Because when we live for ourselves, then, then love of neighbor goes out the window because all we want to do is, is meet our own needs. All we want to do is, is satisfy ourselves. And so what happens is we begin to consume and devour our neighbor. That, that's what he's talking about here. And, and so he says, no, no, no. Jesus, Jesus took that. He took that on the cross. That's been condemned. That's condemned in the cross. It, it's, it's, been, it's been handled. He, he, he dealt with that. So now you're free, you're free to actually love your neighbor because you're not governed by your flesh anymore. No, we are governed by the Spirit, right? He says, you however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness, because of justice, because you have been justified because you have made been made right. You, you know, you, you get to you get you get to have a life. You get to have life that goes that, that's bigger than death, a life that swallows death whole. So yeah, you're flat, you know, you're gonna die, he says. Yeah, you're gonna die. It's gonna happen, right? A, a friend of mine likes to say that um you know that that life is terminal and and it is eventually eventually we will die it just it's just part of being human um but there is there is life that is bigger than death paul says and 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 so we we need to learn we need to learn to to trust the spirit that is in us need to learn and as we do that as we submit to that as we submit to to god the spirit living in us then then we begin to love well um and he says in verse 14 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share His glory. You see, suffering suffering is not... Is, is not a is not a sign of of failed faith suffering is 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 a sign of being united with christ christ says take up your cross daily and follow me it is it is hard it is hard to follow jesus and and as we do as we follow him and as we are submitting ourselves to the spirit we we begin to live as children of god we begin to live as co-heirs with christ and so that means that we're able to love well. We're able to love our neighbors. We're able to, to care for people. And, and, and that roots us. It brings us right back to this question that we begin to face uh, here in, in Romans, Romans 12 that we started with. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. You see, we, for us, for us to get to that place, to, to have humility, to, to not think more highly than we ought, to think of ourselves with, with sober judgment, uh, we have to come right back here and understand that we are adopted children of God, that, that we don't deserve that, that this this grace that has been given to us is, is, not, is not anything we have worked or earned. But Jesus, when our hearts, when our flesh, when we, when we were in, and of, in ourselves, uh, when we were, we were enemies, you know, he, he still died. He still died on our behalf. He still died and conquered sin and conquered the powers and rose victoriously and now says, hey, you're united with me. We are heirs together for this glorious future. And this frees us up and gives us great hope so that, so that we can love our neighbor, so we can serve them in humility. Because that's, that's who we are. Um, and as we, and as, we, as we humbly serve our neighbor, uh, we get to share in the glory of Christ. And what is the glory of Christ? It's uh, it's crucifixion, and uh, and it's extending grace, and it's getting to see people know grace. It's 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 being there when they're when you've loved well, and, and getting to see the smile on their face, getting to see the glint in their eye. Man, that's I don't know. It's one of the best things ever, and um, I hope you get to experience it. Uh, and we will. You, you will get to experience it. But for you to experience it on a regular, constant basis, your identity has to be rooted here in Romans chapter 8. This, this reality that your Abba Father uh, has said, has said, you're mine. You're mine. I've adopted you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Well, 
next week, next week we come back and we wrap this, but we'll put some wraps here on this on this series of uh, of, of conversations out of the book of Romans, and um, you know we'll 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 keep moving forward. Uh, so until then, uh, love well, my friends. <laughs>